Chapter thirty three of Prophets, Priests, and Kings by Alfred George Gardiner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty three Philip Snowden. It was the eve of the general election of nineteen hundred. The khaki fever was at its height and liberalism at the lowest ebb of its fortunes. Nowhere was it lower than at Blackburn. For twenty years the capital of the weaving trade had been a stronghold of conservatism, and now there was no liberal with sufficient courage even to challenge it. Suddenly there appeared on the scene a stranger out of the West Riding. So feeble he seemed that he moved the foe to pity more than anger. He came limping into the lists on foot, a pallid hatchet-faced young man, small of stature, and leaning heavily on a stick, one foot dragging helplessly along the ground his face was scored with the brand of suffering and bitter thought he had as the result of a bicycle accident lain twelve months motionless upon his bed and had stolen back to the ways of men a maimed and stricken figure he came unattended there was no one to receive him save a few eager working men who had been preaching socialism to deaf ears in the marketplace. There was no organization to work for him. There was no money at his command. He seemed like David going out with his pebble and his sling against the hosts of the Philistines. It was the battle of the one and the fifty-three. Thousands of their soldiers leaned from their decks and laughed, thousands of their seamen made mock of the mad little craft running on and on but that was at the beginning later on as in the fight at flores soldiers and seamen had other work to do by the end of the battle they were fighting for dear life for philip snowden wrought a miracle that election will never be forgotten by those who witnessed it it was like a sudden wind stirring the leaves of the forest it was a revival movement gathering momentum with each hour philip snowden's name was on every lip his sayings ran like rumor through the weaving sheds and the street men in their greasy caps and carrying their kits hurried from the mills to his meetings and sat as if hypnotized under the spell of revelation he fought the battle absolutely single-handed and he fought it with a dignity of spirit rare in politics snowden is an atheist was chalked on a hundred walls he ignored the slander snowden was dismissed from the excise passed from lip to lip again he was silent he was urged to tell the real facts which were entirely honorable to him no he said i have resolved to fight this battle on politics and not on personalities and from that i will not move in a fortnight in spite of the crushing odds against him in spite of the war fever in spite of the church and the brewers wealth influence and the popularity of the two tory candidates he had shaken the gibraltar of toryism to its foundations to-day he sits for blackburn the first member other than a conservative who has represented the constituency for a quarter of a century i take philip snowden to be the typical socialist in parliament he is the man of the idee fixe you see it in the drawn face the clenched mouth the cold uncompromising gray eyes other men of his party will yield a little to gain much he yields nothing he is the steady relentless foe of society as it is constituted 
he will have no half-measures no coquettings with the enemy his theory or nothing he owes his seat largely to liberal votes but he makes no sign of recognition or thanks liberalism is to him as toryism nay it is more detestable than toryism because it is more dangerous to his aims he stands for revolution a bloodless revolution but still a revolution toryism with its reactionary impulses paves the way to revolution liberalism with its moderate reforms defeats revolution hence toryism is in some sense a friend while liberalism blunting the edge of popular demand is the real enemy and so when mr snowden goes about the country it is liberalism which is the target of his bitterest attacks he will acknowledge no good thing in it he will take nothing from it with thanks for its best gifts are only intended to make existing society tolerable and he wants it to be intolerable one evening i was talking after dinner with a group of liberal politicians and the conversation turned to the strength of absolute uncompromising socialism in parliament here hardy said one calculates that there are ten socialists in the house we set ourselves to find them ramsay macdonald not a socialist first but a politician said one not a socialist but an opportunist said another peach curran not a socialist first but an irishman said a third let john redmond say home rule to-day and the social revolution to-morrow and curran will follow the banner of ireland victor grayson the wine is too new in the bottle give him time and so the weeding out went on at each name some qualifying circumstance of sympathy or outlook was recalled only at two names was there no pause the names of keir hardy and philip snowden they are socialists sans phrase others subscribe to the economic theories of socialism they alone live for them and for nothing else others join in the political fray they stand aloof from what they regard as idle trifling their eyes fixed on the ultimate goal to them the house of commons is not a place for petty skirmishes and paltry triumphs it is a platform from whence to preach the social revolution they will not prune the tree they will uproot it most men who go to the house of commons no matter what their views or their social rank soon fall in with the spirit of the place they share its common life and enjoy its social comradeship many of them indeed find the spirit of the place a solvent of principle they find the virgin enthusiasm they brought with them from the country languishes in this atmosphere of geniality and compromise the principle that was so clear on the platform where you had it all to yourself is not so unchallengeable here the tory with whom you have smoked a pipe down below is quite a pleasant fellow and in his way just and the liberal or labor man with whom you had a chat on the terrace seems really an honest man misguided of course but still with a good deal of reason in him the sharp lines get blurred and black and white tend to shade away into varying tones of gray philip snowden stands aloof from all this tendency lonely unyielding consumed with one passionate purpose this house of commons through which he moves with painful steps 
what is it but the mirror of the social system that he hopes to see shattered property 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 that's what he hears it say he is in it but not of it he looks out on it with cold bitter scrutiny a faint wistful smile flits across his pale face as he talks to you but it is the smile of polite formality it has no relation to the fierce fire that burns within steadily unchangeably a fire that would consume you with the rest of the regime of wrong he is the stuff of which revolutions are made i have not been in the house when he has spoken but i am told that he has not been a parliamentary success it would be strange if he were the house loves the atmosphere of sympathy here is no sympathy but bitter challenge it loves light and color and easy raillery playing upon the surface of its purposes here is nothing but fierce intensity ruthless and implacable but i doubt whether there is any man living to-day with an equal power of moving great bodies of men to a certain exaltation of spirit of communicating his own passion to others of giving to politics something of the fervor of religious emotion he is doctrinaire and academic in the extreme but he fuses his theories with an enthusiasm that burns at white heat if ever there were a revolution in this country i do not know who would be its danton but i should have no doubt as to who would be its robespierre not the robespierre of the september massacres but the robespierre of the concentrated and remorseless purpose constancy is a rare virtue in politics there are few men of whom it would be safe to forecast their intellectual and political point of view ten years hence but whatever happens philip snowden will be where he stands to-day he will neither ask quarter nor yield it he will fight his battle out on these lines though it takes all his life and he has nothing to record but defeat i am told that he will lose blackburn in the next election because of his bitter attitude toward liberalism one thing is certain he will do nothing to conciliate the liberals he must be taken on his terms if taken at all compromise is not in him he is one of those rare men who live for an idea and who have neither aim nor ambition outside it he would wade through slaughter to achieve it he would go to the stake rather than surrender the least fragment of it if you want to realize the purpose and the passion of socialism he is the man to watch he is worth watching as a study of intensity and idealism he is still more worth watching as one of the potentialities of our national life for if socialism ever came to power and that depends largely on whether liberalism is a sufficiently effective instrument of reform to keep it at bay it will be philip snowden who will be largely the architect of the new social structure End of chapter thirty three